Welcome to Money Talks, a series of interviews with me, Liam Halligan, Economics and Business Editor of GB News. In this episode, I talk to Nick Bianchi, Director of the iconic furniture retailer Arigi Bianchi, based in Macclesfield, around 15 miles south of Manchester. Nick's a direct descendant of Antonio Bianchi, a cabinet maker from Lake Como, who left in Italy in the mid-19th century to settle in this Cheshire market town, getting together with another Italian family to establish Arigi Bianchi in 1854. In this wide-ranging discussion, Nick talks about the advantages of running a family-owned business, how the company fared during lockdown, and Arigi Bianchi's ongoing pivot towards online retailing. Nick, great to see you, and it's great to be here in Arigi Bianchi because every time I drive through Macclesfield, which is it's quite often I've got family in this part of the world, yeah. I see that huge Arigi Bianchi sign. Your shop really is an institution here, not just in Macclesfield and Cheshire, but the Northwest in general. Yeah, we're really, first of all, be proud to be based in Macclesfield. Our history stretches back 168 years, back in 1854 when our founder, Antonio Arigi, arrived leaving the shores of Lake Como. Um, that's sometimes, I, I think, why did he leave Lake Como to come to Macclesfield? Not but, for the weather. Uh, certainly not for the weather. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if, if you think for a moment, he, there was civil war raging in northern Italy, and, well, across Italy, uh, and where we're from in Lake Como was very big in silk. And Macclesfield then yeah. was the largest producer of finished silk in the world. So we know whilst Origi was a, a cabinet maker, he had loads of clients in the silk trade in Italy and they knew people in Macclesfield and said, look, if you're going to flee a civil war, uh, we'll know people to set you up in Macclesfield. This is a Money Talks interview. We go in depth. I do want to ask you about lockdown, how you survived that. I do want to ask you about how you're dealing with the challenge from online retailers uh, here in your magnificent showroom in Macclesfield. But I do just want to ask you first about that family ownership of your business, that heritage from Italy, become an institution here in the Northwest. How important is it that you're a family business? What decisions does that allow you to make that maybe a business that's funded externally with lots and lots of shareholders uh, would have to act? I think first and foremost, we, we can plan for the long term. So every decision we make for is, is the long term. We've now been joined by the fifth generation. And so we're very much here. I see myself here, stood today, uh, sat here today as a custodian for the next generation. And I think it's vitally important. I think it's vitally important, too, for the staff that work for us, that work for us over the course, you know, some 25, 30, 40 years that we, you know, that it, it has the family ownership. Uh, I was reading a report that I think there's about six million family businesses in the UK. Um, and I really feel that family businesses as a, as a, as a whole are so important and contribute greatly to the economy and and we're so proud to still be in the family and make decisions you know for the for the best of the business when you've got that family ownership as opposed to lots and lots of shareholders you've got control haven't you there's no external shareholders voting no. to tell you what to do the family controls the board you you're in control of your own destiny how important is that in terms of helping the business to survive in terms of not just following short-term trends but having a long-term vision and implementing it yeah i think that's a really good point in terms of the long-term vision i mean if you take uh you know the challenges we've been facing over the last 15 years i mean so the credit crisis you know the financial crisis of 2008 that we were able to be calm 
we meet as a family every week and we can talk things through. Uh, we've not been pressurised externally, as you say, uh, to make rash decisions or quick decisions. Uh, hopefully that has helped us sustain. I think over the last 168 years, we've always been quite prudent. I mean, we've survived two world wars. Uh, there wasn't much business during World War One and World War Two, and I think that has cascaded through down to us in, in the fourth generation, just not to overedge ourselves in terms of being too grandiose. So your predecessors, as you say, they survived world wars. They survived, you know, a big slowdown in the 30s, mm, recession in the 70s. But your generation of Arigis and Bianchis, you survived a credit crunch, and now you survived lockdown. By all accounts. The business is still standing, still doing well, still very popular and reputable here in Macclesfield and the Northwest. Nick, how was lockdown for you? Oh, we suffered like, like everyone else. I mean, you know, we employ about 150 staff on the 22nd of March. We had 150 the next day. We were down to only a handful. And uh, it, it was tough because obviously the, the store... Actually, in fact, the store was closed temporarily for the first down. I think it was last closed during the Spanish flu in 1919. So, wow. so, yeah, so you can imagine how difficult yeah. it was. Obviously, the store was shut. We couldn't deliver. We had no deliveries coming in. Uh, but we did have an online, uh, you know, luckily we, we could transact online. But there could have only be the smaller items. So certainly from a, the turnover we do on a weekly basis, suddenly we're just, you know, able to deliver to the door. Uh, an accessory. Obviously, we're, we're taking a hit on on turnover. Uh, obviously, furlough helped, um, but it was it was good times as well, uh, Lynn, because there was about eight of us, and every day things changed. And um, but on on a lovely it's side, a siege mentality. Yeah, there was a lot of businesses have have described lockdown to me like that. If once they realised they could survive, they had a chance. A kind of siege mentality kicked in, and it was about survival and pulling together and working with each other at uh, uh, 100 percent actually yeah dare i say it was it's quite enjoyable because it's like there's you know you've just seen kath there was kath there was charlie there was uh david there was there's only a handful of us and uh but on a positive side we work with um some hospitals locally who they were looking to create these sanctuary rooms yeah uh, for nurses and all yeah, these yeah. people working extremely long hours they were the heroes and we were able to, you know, donate furniture to them and, and, and deliver. So there were some nice pieces as well, certainly during lockdown one, where we feel we could be, because we feel as a family business, being here nearly 170 years, we feel a responsibility to the area, to the town. And, you know, many staff have got families and relatives who work at the hospitals. And uh, uh, so we, we're really pleased we are able to do that. What strikes me is that um, during lockdown, Lots and lots of businesses suffered, but some pulled through. What is it about Irigi Bianchi that made sure that you pulled through? Because it strikes me, even though this was very testing, there wasn't a time or was there when you felt this incredible local brand, this institution that is Irigi Bianchi, was ever going to disappear? Well, one of the things that I gave me a lot of uh, support was... I felt it necessary to communicate to all the customers personally mm. during that period who'd placed orders with us and their furniture might have been sat in our warehouse. Yeah. And it was just, I used the opportunity whether to email them personally or speak to them and they were like, oh, Nick or Mr. Bianchi, as soon as you open, we're, we're going to come back. And mm. that gave us a lot of reassurance. And I do feel that during the last the crisis of 08, where a lot of business went, you know, fell by the wayside, I think that 
160 odd years of history and heritage, you know, helps you. Um, and, you know, people do see it. Honestly, that it's we see it much more than just a store. Um, when 9-11 happened, um, we got loads of phone calls into our reception from people who'd seen these images on TV, horrific images on TV and just wanted to speak to someone. And so, um, wow. yeah, so I think it's much more than just a store and uh, we recognize that and, and we you know that's incredible uh, no it was yeah it was uh, yeah it was um they just wanted to hear a voice and they they'd see coming here as, as part of their you know daily life now as you know we're here in macclesfield's the first stop on our gb news northwest week we've deliberately chosen with all respect towns rather than cities yeah. our northwest correspondent brad harris he's always in liverpool he's always in manchester yeah. But we wanted to come to towns, so Macclesfield, Burnley, Blackpool, different kinds of towns, but lots of things in common, particularly the high street. We cover often on the money the fate of the high street. How's it going? It's a centre of communities. You must have a real feel for the high street here in Macclesfield. It strikes me it's quite a successful high street, despite all the problems that high streets are having with business rates, with the surge of competition from online retailers. What are your thoughts, Nick Bianchi, on the future of the high street? I, I think, the, certainly for Macclesfield High Street, I think there's some really good people doing incredible things to, to boost uh, the high street. Macclesfield has always been uh, fantastically known for like, small independence, creative... And proper market towns, Yeah, right? proper market towns. And you yeah. see that uh, when they have, um, you know, the markets at the end of the month, treacle markets and things like that. And it, it works really well. And I, I feel that the high street does have a future. I really do. And like I said, there's some really good people around Maxfield who are trying to push it. Um, yes, of course, you've got the, the online. Um, but as long as you make it, the, the town interesting... Give it a reason, give people a reason to come. Uh, it's like very much with our, our store, make it an exciting and interesting place to come. Uh, it will still continue to thrive. Now, there can't be many more tactile shopping experiences than a, a beautiful furniture store. You want to sit in that armchair, you want to lay on that bed, you want to touch and feel the fabric of that lampshade, those curtains. What did you learn about retailing, and particularly retailing furniture during lockdown? To what extent did your view of online retailing in your sector change? It changed because obviously people couldn't visit the store. So people were more prepared to have, uh, to take a punt mm. that, uh, on furniture. Since lockdown three ended in April, I think we opened in April the 12th last year, reopened. Uh, we feel there's definitely a desire to come to the store uh, and that's coming from all distances. I mean, our footprint on customers is huge, you know, um, nationwide and international. So that we feel now that people will come to the store. The, the key for online is that we populate as many products online because yeah. we know 60 percent will do their research online before it's visiting It's got to be a sumptuous store. experience, just like coming mm. to this shop yeah. is a sumptuous experience. Uh, absolutely. And so th what's key for us, yes, we do transact online, but what we've noticed after the lockdowns is that people actually want to get out, want to come, want to experience, to say, here we've got, you know, the, the, the parking, the cafe Were bar. you surprised at how much you could sell online? Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, it's gone, it went nuts, like, exponentially. It grew, uh, certainly from, say, March 
the 23rd, 2020. Yeah. Smarty with smaller items and then larger items. And... and this is different from the credit crunch, isn't it? Because house prices didn't collapse. No. There was still equity in people's homes, those who are lucky enough to own their own homes. So they felt that they could afford to buy furniture. That's something that wasn't there in 2007 and eight. it seems to me. Is I that, agree. Is that I, right? I totally agree, Liam. It's a totally different landscape. Totally different. When we reopened the doors, literally just it was it was so busy uh and and so the in-store experience for us is really important and we like people to come but equally we understand that we've got customers in in cornwall who might not see it we've got to give them every chance that they could you know feel comfortable buying a sofa with us and make it as attractive online you know we're rendering images we're going down the route of ar and all these mm. things in the future so a couple of short questions to end Nick, business rates is a hot political issue. A lot of small uh, physical retailers, if you like, say to us, contact GB News, contact on the money. It's business rates that are killing my business. I have to pay them even if I don't make profit, even if I don't make any turnover. Does that impact your business? Uh, not so much. I, I totally understand because I sit on a board of Maxfield Means Business and, and I do yeah. understand that. It's and a that, common Oh, goodness me, absolutely. Subject. And, and I, I sit on a board which talks about the high street and, and that gets talked all the time. And I do think it does need addressing 100%, uh, but not, not so much for us, no. You're a busy man. Boris Johnson's a busy man. <laughs> but how about I get you two together in the GB News on the money elevator for 15 seconds what do you say to him about what you need to make your business work, to make businesses locally here in Macclesfield work? I, th I think, like you say, support, support the North. Give as uh, much investment. Don't just keep it in London. Keep it in the North of England. And, uh, yeah, it's a wonderful area. So, yeah. Nick Bianchi, great to see you. Thanks Thank for appearing. Thanks very much, Dan. Money Talks. Cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Money Talks with me, Liam Halligan, Economics and Business Editor of GB News. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube or wherever you're listening or watching. Do subscribe to this podcast and also check out my daily television show, On The Money, 1pm Monday to Friday on GB News or via the GB News app. GB News, Britain's news channel.